You got it. You can't cut corners. You got to do it the right way. But that comes with preparation. Hi, everyone. This is Ben Guest. And as some of you may know, I've just finished my first semester in film school. I'm getting my MFA in film production at the University of Southern California. USC is usually considered as one of the top three film production programs, film schools in the country, along with NYU and AFI. And I thought it would be helpful for people who are interested in filmmaking, interested in storytelling, interested in potentially going to film school, and potentially going to film school at USC to hear about my experience and some of my classmates' experiences. So my three guests today are Kirsten Vanderbilt, Red Coltrane, and Ant Roberson. We're talking lessons learned after our first semester of film school at USC. Enjoy. Okay, Kirsten Vanderbilt, Anthony Robertson, and Red Coltrane, thank you so much for joining me today. We're all classmates having just finished our first semester for our MFA in film production at the School of Cinematic Arts at the University of Southern California. And let's start with what's the biggest lesson you learned this semester? Trust your instincts, both creatively and personally. I know in my experience, having had no camera or actual filmmaking experience, it was difficult trusting that I could do the job, that I could create something, that I could write something that I'm passionate about. Meanwhile, the back of my head and thinking like, I don't know the buttons. I don't know if I have the, the right camera angle or am I editing the the way that they wanted me to. And sometimes it's about letting go the instructions and just intuitively think of the things that you want to say, the things that you want to express. And when you trust yourself, the uh-huh. art, the creativity will flow. And that's something that confidence, that trust your instincts came at the very end of the semester when I felt like I, I can create something. I could have something that I really want to say and, and tell the world. And I think that's important. And no matter w- what experience that you coming into the program or not, believe in yourself and trusting that you have something to say, that you have a voice and that your point of view is bad for everyone. And you always have something to share. So trust your instincts. hundred percent. Kirsten, can you think of an example during the semester where you either did or did not trust your instinct? I think with the first exercise, I was doing a piece where a guy who was afraid of his own girlfriend because she's a sports fanatic. And that was the first project where I was using the camera for the first time, an actual professional camera, because a lot of times I've used the phone. And being on set for the first time, there were things where I got confused with and what I wanted to say because I was so focused in on did I get the white balance? Did I zoom into focus? All of these things. And so I lost creatively what I wanted to say. And I was unsure of myself and looking to my trio mate and asking her like, oh, what do you think about this? Do you think this is okay? Without relying on what do I think that it's okay? How do we want to shoot this? How do we want to portray fear, portray excitement, humor? on with the actors. So I think 
being on set for the first time and knowing as, and I was directing that, how can I communicate with actors and communicate mm. my vision? And sometimes it got a little muddled because I was unsure if I could do the filmmaking job. And I was asking for everybody else's opinion without consulting myself first of what I wanted. So that's the biggest lesson moving forward throughout the semester. That, that's a great example. And so just so the audience knows, so your first semester, the big class you take is called 507 and you do four exercises. This year, because of the Omicron wave, we did the first exercise basically on our phones while we're still zooming in and then three exercises in person. And when you get to campus, you're assigned two other classmates as a trio and you all crew on each other's shoots and exercises, which I like that they call them exercises and not yet projects. Okay. Red, biggest lesson learned this semester. I love what you said, Kirsten. I completely agree. Just trusting your instincts is great. For me, I think preparation, that is so important. And I knew that coming in, but I think not just working on my own sets, but working on my colleagues' sets, and you can just tell what good preparation looks like, or rather I should just say, you can tell different styles of preparation. Some people just prepare differently. I'm the kind of person where I'm like, I'm going to get, there's, I know that there's some details that are just going to be worked out on set, but everything that I can prepare for ahead of time, I do. And I'm just, I just, I don't want to have to think about scrambling. I don't want to have any of that. I'm like, I want to come on set and be able to relax. That's my most important thing on set is just having a relaxed environment, both for me, my crew and my actors. And the more, if I don't prepare, if something, if there's something I'm worried about ahead of time or on set, if there's something that I didn't prepare for, that is just going to make me more stressed out. And I think watching and working with other people who on in the moment had, because they didn't prepare something, now we have to switch things up and that's causing stress to everyone on set. I'm just like, that is just a huge lesson for me. I think what is there that, that super cliche saying fail to prepare to fail. And I'm just like, I feel like I have watched that happen a few times where we get on set and we just don't have enough time because certain things weren't prepared for ahead of time. And so I think with filmmaking, these movies, they just, one of our professors said, it's a small, small miracle that any movie is made. And there's just so many moving parts all the time. And I just think that the most important thing for me is just making sure that anything that I can wrap up ahead of time, I will. That, that's such a great point, Red. And, and I'm like you, I like to have everything organized and prepared to a T as much as possible. And you made the great point that doing that not only is going to save you time on set, but I think the even more valuable thing is it frees up brains because yeah. I'm sure the experience we all had is once you get on set as the director, it's just a never ending stream of questions and decisions and decision fatigue is real. So if we now have to spend X percent of our brain space and decision-making space on stuff that we could have organized ahead of time, then we're not making the best film we can. And without that, that preparation, cause I think it's a great, great, great note because without that preparation, it's a chance that somebody's going to ask you a question that you do not have the answer to. And that is the last thing that you want as a director, the leader of the charge, the, 
the general in the army, the commander in uh, the commander in chief. You, you, you gotta have the answers and that only comes with preparation. So I totally agree. I think the other thing that just came to me, there's, I also like the freedom to have a little fun on set, do something that I didn't plan for. And you can't reach that point if you haven't already fleshed out what your original plan was. If I've prepared so much for what I wrote on the paper, what's on the script, I've got all that ready. Then you get to this, you get to the location, you meet your actors, the things can just happen. And I, I don't feel prepared to let new things happen unless I know the stuff I wanted in the beginning was already prepped and ready for. And so I also just want to be ready and prepared to have fun on set too, on top of what I had already planned. And that just comes with preparation for me. Yeah. I, I love that because the other thing is no matter how much we prepare, something is always going to come up that we didn't anticipate some problem, some issue, something you have to solve on the fly. And so again, let's like the more preparation, the less number of things you're going to have to figure out on the fly. And what about you? Biggest lesson learned this semester? I, I agree with both people who spoke. You got to trust your instinct. You got to prepare. My second would be communication. I think that mm -hmm. the ability to communicate and be vulnerable in that communication, it makes sense. It's hard, but necessary. But the biggest lesson that I took out of this semester is balance. I think all of us have these big dreams and these ambitions that we want to accomplish and these stories that we want to tell that me personally, I'd go to the ends to tell. This is my life. This is, I'd want to do nothing else with my life other than be a filmmaker and tell stories and inspire and that's it. But I got to remember that I'm a human first. I'm a person. And as a human, I have to take care of myself. I have to work out. I have to meditate. I have to make sure that I'm in communication with my family. I got to eat. I got to eat healthy. I got to do all these things outside of create that we sometimes forget about in that process. And okay. with that, I, I feel like example, I'll give you an example before you ask me. My E3, I had a story that was very personal. That's something that happened to me that I wanted to create and tell. And I was doing everything I could to tell that story, except taking care of myself, except taking a second to breathe, except having a balance. And when the story wasn't going the way it needed to go, because I didn't have that balance and I didn't trust the process to do its own thing and take its own course until I took it in my hands, things started crashing down and I didn't know what to do because my whole life at the time was dedicated to that exercise. The emphasis on exercise, not project, not film, not exercise. So I'm glad I learned that lesson then, but it came crashing burning. I, I, it just wasn't a good situation. My head wasn't in the right place and I got through it. Like we all do, we go through things and we get through it. But my E4, I told myself, I'm going to have balance. And I got up every morning, I worked out, I did my meditation. I, I made sure to call my parents. I made sure to call my sisters. I made sure I was eating healthy. And Ray could tell you, man, I was in my, I was in my element when it came down to the time to shoot. And the process was so much smoother. I had so much trust in my trio mates. I had so much trust in myself. I had so much trust in my preparation 
because I had another world outside of that. That wasn't my everything for this project. So to me, balance is the biggest lesson that I took away from this semester. I love that. And, you know, you emphasize the word exercise. I mentioned earlier how I like that they use that word instead of project or film. One piece of advice, and please feel free to, to disagree with me. This is just my opinion. One piece of advice I have for incoming first years is what we're doing here, especially for the first two semesters, is just learning a skill set. Everybody has an artistic masterpiece inside of them that they want to make. But I, I think that sometimes people get caught up with like my E2 or my E4, my 508 has to be a masterpiece, a student film masterpiece that will be my calling card into the industry or whatever. Rather than looking at it as exercises where this is helping me acquire a skill set. And so our class is 60 students, and then we're broken up into cohorts of 15 students. No one outside of the 14 other students in your cohort are ever going to see this exercise. One piece of advice I have similar to what you were saying, Ant, is everything doesn't have to be perfect and you don't have to spend 18 hours a day for two weeks at a time burning the midnight oil, trying to make it perfect, rather than just think about it as a series of exercises that are helping you acquire a skill set. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, like I, I learned early on too, this is the place to make mistakes and not to be hard on yourself and learn those lessons now, because when you're inside the industry, you're going to have money attached and people that are depending on you and the stakes are bigger versus here we're you're learning how to find your voice, learning your strengths as whereas, and also your areas of growth and finding and learning other people who have those skills that you lack. And that you right. need to prove on. So it, it's all about, like Aunt said, taking care of yourself and self-care and, and telling yourself, I'm learning and that's okay. And these are, yeah, this is the time to make mistakes, time to, to fail and to try again. Yeah, it, it, exactly. And, and I like the word that Aunt used of reps, because the other thing to Red's point of being on other people's sets and seeing how other people direct and run their set, it's the stakes are zero right now, and we're setting the habits that will carry us forward as filmmakers. So sometimes if someone, if they cut a little corner here or there, it's okay, you kind of notice that. And it's what about when the budget's a million dollars or $20 million? What are you going to cut corners there? So it's also, I think another thought I have for incoming students is like you're setting your habits right now and the stakes are zero. So set good habits. And off of that, I vulnerability. I'm a, I'm a, I, in my E3, was moving so fast and was so, just coming back around to your point, Ben, of, of when you have more responsibility. I was so into my E3 that when a moment came to use a piece of equipment that we weren't allowed to use, I didn't even think about it. It didn't register. It, di it didn't register at all. It was like, oh, we can't get this shot with what we have. And you have something that can help us get this shot. Oh, let's do it. Or is it Cerule? All right, cool. Nah, I'm, I'm good. But that kind of cutting corners is how people get hurt on set. And it's small here. It's small. It doesn't mean much here. Yeah, you get slap on the wrist, it's film school, bad grade, whatever. Cool. 
But in real life, and you make decisions like that, it's a fine line that you're walking and it could tip over on either side if you're not careful. So I, I totally agree with that statement, man. And, and, and yeah, you gotta, you can't cut corners. You gotta do it the right way, but that comes with preparation. That comes with preparation. Yeah. And, and thank you for sharing that, that, and it, it's the, the other thing is actually, let's go back to something that you said earlier, Ant, which is communication. What are your thoughts about, uh, for all three of you, what are your thoughts about communication and best practices around communication, especially when you're working in trios with people that have different personalities, different ways of working than you do? Red, do you want to go first? Sure. I was actually thinking about this too while Ant was talking. Advice. Look, a number of situations this semester have, I think, proved how personal all of this is to all of us. We are artists and it's sometimes easy. I don't want to say to forget that there's just so much work that we have to do as filmmakers to create our art. And at the end of the day, the product is this beautiful piece of art that is really personal to the person that made it. And so. As we learn to become collaborators, as we learn to work with each other, we, I think it's wise to really just be vulnerable and share what you're feeling about each project that you're making. This can't be done alone. I think that's hard as well for some people who I assume most of us are coming from backgrounds where we didn't have crews and stuff like that. Us getting into filmmaking, it was a very personal, independent endeavor before we got to film school. All of a sudden we have to work with other people and we have to learn how to communicate our ideas, learn how to inspire passion for, from someone else about your own idea. And that can be hard. That can be really difficult because if someone doesn't understand your idea, if someone perhaps is offering ways that they can change your idea, that can feel like a personal attack on what you are proposing. That can feel like an attack on, on your art. And so my communication advice is just be open and honest. There's been so many situations that I've seen this semester where people were just afraid to just be vulnerable with their collaborators. And just like, Hey, this is making me feel this kind of way. And this is my idea about this project. And I'd really, yeah, I just feel like I, more is more here when it comes to communication, more is more say what you need to say about your work, keep a positive environment. This isn't the, the, the more films you make, the bigger this gets, the more people are going to be involved. You just have to learn how to communicate and communicate. Well, this isn't a thing you do by yourself and what's beauty, what, excuse me, what's beautiful about good communication and filmmaking is once you establish that your singular idea will become a collective idea and it will be so much better with the help of other people than it would be if it was just you. It just is so much better with other people's help. More is more. As I said, just talk, just tell people how you're feeling, explain your ideas, do your best, but talk, actually talk, be vulnerable with each other. That I think is my advice there. Yeah. And, and to your point, Red, that you, you, it's really hard to over-communicate in this environment. It's really easy to under-communicate and it's really hard to over-communicate. Kirsten, do you want to go next? Yeah. Just adding what Red said, and he talked about like 
the independent part, my experience, my trio, a lot of us uh, have like very independent personalities and coming into this program, I had expectations of, I want to work so much with everyone and I want to get involved with your projects. Who, what can I do to help yours? And it just didn't really pan out that way because people sometimes just want to do things their own way and they have a certain idea of how things should be done. And so I found myself in situations where I was leading or initiating communication. And then there were times where the lack of communication caused a lot of conflict, a lot of confusion. And so sometimes you have to think when coming into this program, sometimes you might be the person who will do most of the initiation, most of the bringing people together, and other people will have a, a back seat. It's, it's okay to be the one who's like reaching out and you're like, hey, what about this? What about that? And being transparent with your trio. Sometimes you're going to be put in that position. And yeah, and with other people, you're just meeting where they're at. You're never going to change them. They're never going to change me, but to figure out ways like, okay, I know this person does best when I communicate to them by text versus vocalizing that, okay, I'm going to text them more, or some people prefer you tell them in person or just knowing what's the best way to communicate too. Definitely. hundred percent. And I think communication, similar to we, we're in film, which is an art form in itself. I think communication has an art form as well. I wrote something, I, I wrote down something, a, a long list of what I felt like big points of that art form is, and I'm gonna share just a couple. Um, Please. Art, articulation is huge. Being able to have a vision and speak on it clearly and have everybody understand is part of that art form. Honesty and vulnerability, like Red said, you have to be honest about how you feel and you have to be able to say that so that people know not to, uh, people know how to not hurt you. People know how to deal with you. People know how you like to work. And that comes with just honesty, which is different from another point, which is integrity. And I think we have to speak with a, a reference of what's right and what's wrong. And I know that's on a, a spectrum that is based off of people's morals and that's different, but we know that we know what's integral food for, for us. I don't know if integral is a word, but we just created one. So cool. Mm -hmm. Trying to communicate. The big thing for me and what I learned is listening. And that is probably the biggest piece of communication that people forget about. Because when you think about communication is I'm talking to you, but I have to be able to listen to you as well, or listen to what you have to say, which is huge. Absolutely huge. You guys still there or? Yeah. We're here. Did you oh, like lag just a little bit, but yeah, you're good. What else do you have for communication? Another one, the last one that I'll, I'll go with, or I got two more. One is the ability to get others on board. And that comes with the last part, which is charisma. And I think we all have our certain type of energy or a certain type of way of, of speaking that we just need to play to. If it's shy, play to your shyness, but in a sense of, I got to get you on board and I'm confident enough to get you on board in my shyness. Mine is being outgoing and, and loving and, and, and positive. And I play to that when I'm trying to get others on board with my vision. So this communication, and, and it's huge. And I think once we start dialing into the art form of communication, understand how important it is, 
And that only comes with more reps and <laughs> more mm -hmm. time that we get to do it, more time that we get to, to talk to each other and the better we'll get from it. I've seen Kirsten this semester, we're in the same section, go Canaries. Just be completely honest in her. She speaks in every class. She speaks in every opportunity that she gets. And one, seeing her become more confident has inspired me, but two, how she takes every piece of this art form and, and is an extremely effective communicator, I think set a standard for our class because nobody was afraid to speak after her. Every time she spoke, it was like a, a herd of a bison chasing after a, a rabbit or something like that. And we're asking the teacher questions and we're flowing and asking each other questions that comes with just one person. And she was that catalyst for us, but that the communication and vulnerability in that communication is the beginning of the art form that it takes to, to really be an effective communicator. I love that, that Kirsten was setting the tone and I agree <laughs> with what, what everybody said. Communication is connection and the heart of connection is vulnerability. Once you're vulnerable in front of somebody, the, the odds of you connecting well are much higher. I think for me going forward, and so we're assigned to a new trio for next semester, and we've already started doing this, it's just a lot of times miscommunication happens because people have differing expectations. And so what with the new trio, what we've already started doing is talking about, okay, what are our expectations with Red, you as my producer and Ant, I'm your DP and Kirsten, you're my DP. What are our expectations around those roles? And then Kirsten, to your point, Kirsten, to your point as well, what's your preferred communication style? And so already starting to talk about those things has been helpful. And then what we decided to do, and this would have been great, I think for 507 as well, is let's just have a 20 with the trio. Let's just have a 20 minute meeting once a week. I would just schedule it either before or after our class. And just, it's just a check-in, how are you feeling? What questions you have? Anything like we need to, to, to talk out? Because the more you can, the more you can be on the same page with expectations, and the more you can head off potential miscommunications early, the smoother things are going to be. Mind if I, uh, if I steal that from you? Yeah, of course. This yeah. is all stuff we're sharing for other people. I really like that, Ben. Another thing that just makes me think about is how important it is to also not reserve communication just for talking about work. There, as, as a part of communicating well and creating these nice professional relationships if for me it's showing that you actually care about this other person and that you're acknowledging that they're a human being outside of whatever role they're playing with you as a colleague or in your work or whatever i think it's so important to actually build connection i also think another big piece of communication for me is making a point to tell whoever you're working with how much you appreciate that they're working with you and that they're, that they have taken time out of whatever schedules they have. And they're actually putting forward this effort this time. And I'm like, I do appreciate that. And coming from, like I said, I simply, I maybe worked with one other person before on a film, before I came here at one time, but like, it was just by myself. And so to be making films with people and they're actually putting in all this effort and all this into a project that I wrote and directed, I'm like, this is amazing. I really appreciate you're doing this for me. And I think that also helps me build my relationships because I do want to acknowledge that 
these are real people and we are all busy and we all have lives and we all have so much going on and yet we get to share this time together and you are giving me all this effort for something that I wrote and that just feels wonderful I think it's one of the best ways of connecting and so I think communicating outside of work is nice just remind each other that we're both people we're both humans right and we're all going through this together we're all to some extent experiencing the same emotions with this there was something you been and, and read I, I think it's important especially when you're working in such a, a close kind of environment you're working with two other people not a big cast and crew i think one is important to get over and address cultural barriers i think that is is very important not just the the obvious cultural barriers but like I'm an African-American from Virginia. Red's an African-American from Ohio. There's a cultural barrier that we have and that needs to be spoken on. This semester, I have two Asian, for both from recently fresh from China, trio mates. And I just heard a horror story about somebody else, how when they disagree, the two other trio mates just separated and did their own thing and left him astray. But it's all about effort. And what are you trying to do and how upfront and honest can you be from jump? They have names that they gave themselves so that it could be easier for people here to pronounce. I told them from jump, I want to know your real names and I, I want you to teach me how to, to pronounce your real name and know that when you're, you're struggling with your English because you're fresh and I get that. I understand. Take your time. I'm here for it. I'm in no rush. I have no place else I'd rather be than with you. And that acknowledging that cultural barrier allows them to sink into their trust with me. And we'll fly. We'll, I, I know me and my trio will fly in, in the fall. So I think that's something that we all need to acknowledge and something that we don't need to be afraid of or be afraid to step on anybody's toes. Because once that's spoken and out the way, we got bigger fish to fry. <laughs> Love it. Just adding to what Ann said, I think that's really Please. good because you're coming into a program with people from different experiences, walk alive, personal experiences, good and bad, and different languages, different native tongues, cultures, regions, and empathy is important to understand when you're creating a film, everyone's going to have their different point of view, and you have to let go your own ego. Think about, okay, I may not have that point of view, that experience that person wants to, to portray on film, but at least I'm going to have empathy, and at least I'm going to give it my all and find ways to like communicate with grace and with also putting yourself in the other person's shoes. And that's moving forward. You're going to be working on a lot of short films that whether you agree or disagree with the content, if you put away your selfish, oh, this is not my experience, just communicate with your trio, whoever, and okay, how can I make this better? Can you explain to me how that experience impacted you? Like I had no idea and communicate with them and once you get understand their point of view, their perspective, it can inform how you can help make that project better. And I think with all of this, for an incoming student or incoming students, what we're saying is the sooner you can sit down with your trio and one, just get to know each other as people, and two, explicitly talk about what are your expectations, what are your preferred communication styles. And what are, you, what are you good at? What, what do you like to do? And what, do you, what are areas for improvement? And I think even beyond that, kind of going to Red's point, how do you like to receive feedback 
about your art. Because to quote Erica Badu, I'm an artist and I'm sensitive about my shit, right? So it's what kind of feedback do you like to get and what kind of feedback is not helpful? I think the more you can be mindful and explicit about those conversations earlier, the better it's going to be. Okay, now let's go from the big macro, big lessons, communication, all that stuff. And let's zoom way in. What is something small, but you would definitely do differently or wish you had known ahead of time or thought about ahead of time? So while you guys are thinking, because I'm springing this question on you, I'll say one of mine, which is, and it's so simple, and I just wish I'd done it earlier and thought about it, which is you, on, you get on set, you're shooting, and you're checking the camera, you're checking the monitor, all of that. But it's so easy at break time to just pop the HD card out, put it in your laptop and check your footage. And I didn't have any major issues with footage, but I just wish I'd done that because I would have seen, oh, and this was a little bit out of focus or I didn't like how this was framed or I need to get more coverage of this. And it's so easy. It takes five minutes. And so when I was DP for Tola's shoot, Every time we had a new setup, I would just pop the thing out, check, make sure we got everything we needed for this previous scene and this previous setup it takes two minutes, three minutes, and now we can move on. So a very small thing that's super helpful. Yeah. Adding to that, <laughs> checking the focus. <laughs> yeah. I've messed, I both won, I think E3 and E4, there were a lot of times that I didn't check the focus because I'm doing everything else, uh, directing and all those things, just taking what you're learning in class and still translating that when you're on set. And just, even if you're a type of person that needs alarms or like a sticky note, I'm the type of person that needs like things written down. Even if you have those little things like, oh, check the focus, make you do, make sure you do those things. I think it will help. You know? Yeah. And to that point on my phone, I literally had a little checklist when I was operating the camera of, so on the, the cameras we have for 507, there's a waveform monitor for light. There's a light meter. There's a magnification to check focus. And then there's a, a peaking feature to check focus. And I just had my checklist, check, do the white balance, then check magnification focus, check peaking focus, check light meter, check waveform. In your head is, oh, I can remember that. But again, once you're on set and it's like, bullets are flying, you might not remember that. So just have it for me, just having it on my phone, I could just every new setup, let me just go through my checklist. And again, we're ingraining those habits. Red, Ant, which, what do you have for something small you wish you'd know? I'm gonna go first because I know Red has a banger on his back. So I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go first. I got something really small. Smallest thing ever. Something that we always take for granted. We don't think about breathe. I wish I would have breathed more. In through my nose, out through my mouth. Bring it down, mm -hmm. calm the nerves, relax. It's not the end of the world. It's only the beginning. Breathe. I wish I would have did a lot more breathing. Look, if you pretty much took, I'm like, that was my banger. I, <laughs> I, I me, <laughs> gotta take breaks. I'm so bad at that. Like when I'm in the zone, I'm in the zone. I won't eat. I don't take breath. I'm just like, and that I'm so. And every time I remind myself, I'm like, oh, it's been three hours. I'm sitting in front of Abbott for three hours. Like, I've been sitting, look at this. I haven't taken a break. Like, it's just so easy to just get wrapped up. And it's funny because even before I've 
had this conversation with myself before film school, even just take a second, breathe a little bit, but even I just every single time I'm in the labs, I'm like, Red, you gotta just even just getting up, taking a walk for 10, 15 minutes, coming back to Avid. All of a sudden, I'm not frustrated anymore. I had a little water, maybe went and got a snack, got a coffee, chatted with whoever I was editing with. Like that, even those 10 minutes will make the world of a difference. Just take a break on set. I'll be like, all right, next thing, next, wait, wait, like everyone has been working for it. Let's just take a second. It's okay to breathe. It's not, like you said, Anne, it just isn't the end of the world. Let's take a second. Let's just take a second. And so, yeah, for me, it's just take breaks. I wish I did that more. And I need to, I honestly, Kirsten, I love the idea of having post-its because I'm going to start just putting down on the camera, take breaks. And also crack jokes as well. Crack jokes. I, during my E4 exercise, we were shooting something like very tense and each, uh, after each take, just lighting up the mood with like jokes or no matter how corny it is, but it just made people feel like it doesn't matter. We're doing our best life. We're, we're living, we're breathing, make it light, laugh and make it enjoyable for yourself. One of the, the hardest things is, especially in the editing process, whether it's a $200 or $200 million movie. There's no, you can go on forever with the options, with the sound design, with where the cut happens, all of it. And there's this time, this casino time, like no clocks in the casino time warp that happens where you look up and you're bleary eyed and it's three hours later. And you thought you were just working on one cut and you thought it was going to take 15 minutes. <laughs> and so I don't know how to balance. Because I think as humans, as Ant was saying, we just need time to be human. And then also for art, I think art needs time to rot. The dough needs to rise a bit where we're not working on it. So just balancing, how do you guys balance that with, I could spend an hour on one edit or three hours on adjusting the sound design for one level, one layer of the sound. How do you balance all of that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I try to... Like, all right, I'm a plan out. Let's say it's whatever. I just finished my E3. Okay, I'm going to edit Friday, Saturday, Sunday. What I like to do is, at least what I started doing by my E3 is, okay, I know I have all day and I could choose to sit in that dungeon for 12 hours and edit. Or I could say, I'm going to go in from 12 to 4. Whatever is done by 12, by, at four o'clock is what's done. And I really like what you said, Ben, the dough rising. I've never thought of it like that, but that's exactly what it is. It's like you just need some time to sit because when you come back the next day, you're going to, the thing, every single time you come back to it, it's going to change. So I'm like, let me just, I don't, I know I don't need three full days of work. So let me work on it for a few hours, get it somewhere and then show up tomorrow, just show up tomorrow, give myself more time. So, I, and I think that's, so for me, it's just ahead of time knowing I have a hard stop at four o'clock or whatever. I have a hard stop at X hour. And even if I'm not happy with it, that's fine. Cause I'm just not going to be happy with it until I come back and see it three, four more times. So for me, it's just setting hard stops in my account. And, and our subconscious is a secret weapon. So when there's something we're struggling with at one in the morning or 11 o'clock at night, we just go to sleep, wake up the next morning, meditate, breathe in, breathe out, all of that. We're 
almost certainly going to find a solution that we wouldn't have found if we just kept going and drank some coffee and kept going. So trusting your subconscious to do its thing, I think is helpful. And to go off of that point, we're, we're, I'm going to circle back to Kirsten's first point and we're going to play a little bit of basketball with the Sixers, but trusting your intuition and trusting the process. I'm not the type of person who I schedule stuff, but when it comes to editing, when it comes to writing, I just need to go until I can't anymore. In a sense of, I have to listen to myself when my stomach growls or my head starts to hurt or my fingers get a little tired. That's time for my break. They said you focus, you can focus two hours, three hours at a time. Boom, got it. Those three hours usually is when my stomach starts to growl, my head starts to hurt, my fingers start to, to curl up, back up. And it's okay, that is my intuition telling me to trust the process. Take a break, go walk, do your thing, slow it down. Because after this break, we're gonna need you to get back into it. Or after this night of rest, you need you to get back into it. But if you burn out and push through the headache or you push through the, the fingers turning into monkey paws or or if you just ignore your stomach, it's, you're defeating, you're not listening to that voice inside you that's trying to speak through how you feel, which I think is important. So trust the process and trust your intuition is what I think balance is what the balance that we need. Creating, like you, we all mentioned before, creating that balance and setting a timer for yourself and your body more than anyone else. If you feel like I can't go anymore, I have to stop and stop. If you're a type of person that you have this like brilliant idea in the middle of the night and you just can't let it go or you just got to do it, well, you can do it and just make sure that you're doing that balance for yourself and self-care. And because ultimately, like how your mental state is and your physical status, it will form the way you want to create your own films. And the better you take care of yourself, the better your art will be because you're being, you know, kind to yourself and that, that will show that you yeah. didn't rush it or you were tired and now you're just throwing up stuff on the screen. You're just editing anything. Two more, two more topics. So speaking of art and our art here at USC is storytelling, right? That's the, the thing that we're doing. What's something you've learned about storytelling this last semester? It has to come from a real place. Talk about that. In the jungle, you can be on a different planet. You can be in the underworld, you could be in heaven, you can be anywhere that story takes you. But if it doesn't come from a real place, it will not be a real story and it can't relate to people outside of yourself because it doesn't relate to you. So it can't relate to anybody else. It has to come from a real place. I love that. And for me, it's no one else can tell a story the way that you tell a story. And just trust and believe in yourself, right? That's, it's just that simple. I work really hard to try to be a better screenwriter. That's definitely one of my weaknesses. I want to write better. And in the process, I'm always like, oh, what do you, what do you think so-and-so would say? Or what, what have I seen in other, I, I hate, and I find myself like, why am I trying to be someone else? I will tell this story the only way I know how to. And when I really just let it go and I just write, I'm like, that's my best work. And I, I probably shouldn't say this, but I, Definitely have found myself my best writing. I'm like, what if I just got a little tipsy and stopped thinking? So I have a few drinks. Let me sit at this computer and just see what comes out. And I swear to you, like two weeks ago, I wrote three half scripts just because I was just like, whatever, I'm just 
thinking and putting it on this page. And it's most of it I kept because I'm just like this. Finally, I'm out of my own head. I'm not comparing myself to anyone else. Let me just write and tell this story in a way that I think is entertaining. Like you said, Ant, in a way that relates to me. This is just how I would tell the story and it works. So no one is going to tell that story like me. So let me just write what I want to write. And I think that's what I've learned about story. We sometimes need things to slow us down. And we don't want to rely on those things, but we need things like that, that comfort food or that TV show to ease us into what is us. So yeah, I totally agree. Storytelling for me was rewriting because you may think that first draft is, but you have that confidence in yourself and knowing this is just the first draft and I'm going to get only get better from there. And just don't be afraid that just because you didn't write a masterpiece that first time doesn't mean you can't do it again. So it's, I mean, English lit major emphasis. So always rewriting the stories or the papers. Yeah. And don't be afraid to like push yourself to be like second, third, fourth. I think I remember Jordan Peele, he was saying how he wrote to get out at least 22 times. It took a long time, but here he is, Academy Award winner. Just storytelling is a lot of rewriting, a lot of fine-tuning, a lot of getting all those quirks out and finding what works and what doesn't work and learning more about the characters, about yourself and learning about what you want to say about the piece. So it's a constant change. So... Yeah. yeah, that that iteration, the effective iteration, like almost most great art comes from constant iteration and constant mm-hmm. refinement. Also, uh, to Red's point, one of the best things about USC are the speakers we have, one of whom was the co-writer for Creed II, who graduated from USC. The screenwriter who spoke to us had a great idea, which is he said, When he graduated, he and one of his classmates became a writing partnership and they entered all these different writing scholarship and fellowship programs where you had to write a script and submit it. And he said they did that just to force themselves to have a deadline so they wouldn't be precious about what they're doing. And they were to Ansport, they were getting the reps in. Okay, this screenplay is done. Okay, let me write another screenplay. And by having that justification of this doesn't have to be perfect. We just are working on this. It's the same effect of of Red having a drink or two of just, hey, I'm focused and I'm relaxed. And I think all of us at USC are really good at being focused, but it's that relaxed component that's also key to being in flow state. And so just giving yourself something, whether it's a martini or it's a deadline or it's whatever of just, it's going to be done at this point. Therefore, I can relax and just do it. Yeah, totally. Okay, last thing. So you're talking to an incoming first-year MFA at the School of Cinematic Arts at USC, and they're asking you, what are the keys to being successful here? I would say going back, trust your instinct, taking care of yourself, and don't take yourself too seriously. Love all of those. Heavy on the don't take yourself too seriously. Uh-huh. For me, I'm like, remind yourself. Mm. It's school. It's just school. It's just school. Like you are in a learning environment. You're probably going to fail. Let it go. It's cool. That's cool. And what's beautiful about being at school is that you're allowed to fail here. When you're, you're, this is the point. You just learn by doing and you're going to mess up. And that is literally 
the process. You are supposed to mess up. It's just school. Number two, remember that the relationships you're making are super important. Like you are going to be around these people for the rest of your careers. And as long as you can actually just relax and connect with the folks around you, that is so much more important than like any of this. Like I'm going to, you're going to be messing up. There's no guarantee that anything you make at USC is going to be amazing. More than likely it won't be. So focus more on, hey, I'm now finally in a group of people that we have similar interests, a similar drive, passion for this thing. We share this. Uh, let me get to know these people for a number of reasons. One, because it's great to have more friends. Two, because you are going to learn a hell of a lot more from each other than you are in these classes. So be together with everybody else and relax, ride the wave, get better, learn. I got two. The first is... Do not take these teachers who have worked on all of your favorite movies, who are industry professionals, who have been teaching for as long, most of them longer than I've been born or making movies as long as I've been born, longer. Don't take the interaction. Don't take those moments for granted. And those moments that you spend in class aren't enough. They're just not there. You got an hour, 50 minutes and, and the teacher has to roll. He has to roll or she has to roll after class. There needs to be a conversation that do not take. They're here for you. You pay all of this money. We pay all of this money to get the best education possible. And it gets and that education gets even better. If you reach out to these people who want to help you, they want to be here and they want to help you every, after every lecture, after every class. Mostly the lectures, I'm sure you guys see me. I was talking to every professor and just getting game and just understanding that they know more than me, but I want to know what they know. And that I, I want to direct. That's nothing. I know what I want to do. I want to direct, but I know I need sound. I know I need editing. I know I need cinematography and I know I need production, pr producing under my tool belt and my toolkit. So after every class, I spoke to each and every one of those professors and, and leaving it open for more conversation because they have so much game that they just want to give. They wouldn't be here if they didn't want to give game. So use your teachers as an advantage is the, probably the biggest advice I can get. And two, give this shit everything you got. I know we talked about doing it in a healthy way. So listen to that part again before you come back to here, but give this everything you got, man, because you only have one opportunity to, to fail. You don't have many opportunities to fail like you do here. You don't have many opportunities to try different stuff and experiment and find your voice. And, and you can't really do that if you're half-assed. You have to give it all you possibly can. This is, your, this is an opportunity of a lifetime that shouldn't be taken for granted. People, I don't know what the, what the percentages is, but think about all the people who applied to USC and didn't get it. And in film school in general, people applying to so many different film schools and they don't get in. But the people in film school, sometimes I feel myself doing it sometimes, get complacent or they feel like I'm here, I'm in school. No, you're, in a, you're a filmmaker, you're an aspiring filmmaker. And this is the beginning steps of a journey that's going to take you until Ridley Scott is making movies and this guy is a dinosaur. It's a, he's a dinosaur. But... If you start with a strong foundation, you can be a dinosaur just like him. 
and create for the rest of your life, but it has to start somewhere. It's all about foundation and giving it everything you got starts now. I love it. Red? Yeah, there's one thing you said in there, and well, I, mean, I liked all, what do I say? But something you said in there about giving your all, I really liked because it just reminded me of a third thing that I think is super important and that a lot of people should learn this lesson, myself included, is take risks. You gotta take risks. Like, it's so easy to come in and you think you know your style. You don't know your style. Let me just, let's start right there. You actually don't know. If you knew you wouldn't be in, you wouldn't be here. You have to learn what works, what doesn't work. And a lot of times those ideas in your head that might seem a little crazy, they kind of scare you. That's where the magic is. That's you as an artist speaking. And so you'll hear this when you get here. Your professors are going to tell you to take risks, but I'm just going to say it too. Like, it's just so important. Sometimes you just try it. What is, what's wrong with trying it? You never know what might happen, how amazing that might be. So take risks. Let's double back even further. If you have preparation, it allows you to take risks at the end of the day. <laughs> I think it's such a great point. And I wonder how you guys feel. I think there's a trap that almost like an unconscious trap that you can fall into, which is you're getting to know your classmates. You're going to screen every couple of weeks with your 14 other cohort members. And there's this almost subconscious trap of, are you making this short film, this exercise, so that you're working your skill set and leaning into things that are not your strength? Mm -hmm. Or is it like, I just want to have a kick-ass short film for my classmates to enjoy. I want to show off a little bit for my classmates. Again, not that people are ultra competitive about stuff like this, but it's more of there is that, or I sometimes felt that, of, do I want to entertain the 14 other people that are going to see this movie once and that's it? Or do I want to lean into what, what makes me a little bit nervous in terms of not feeling so comfortable with my skill set? Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, yeah, and I wanted, yeah, I wanted to ask, you, you talked about being intentional with talking to professors and mining this gold mine of information and wisdom they have. Could you be even more specific about that? What, like, if you go up to a professor after class or you email a professor, uh, what do you say? How does the conversation start? If you just go up to a professor and say, oh, I liked your lecture. I thought it was good. Talk to me more. He doesn't or she doesn't really have much to go off of, but there should be a talking point or something that you're curious or something that you didn't get that you feel as if you need to go up and, and, and talk to that professor about. For me, Jim Ruxin was talking about overlapping action and, and directing that. So when they edit that you have something that you start a scene with and you finish a scene with. And the repetition he was talking about within that overlapping action was confusing to me. And it's simple. It, it, I just explained it. It's very simple, but at the time I didn't understand it. So I went up and spoke to him about that. Jim Ruxin is not my professor. This is my first interaction with Jim Ruxin, but I went and talked to him. From there, so many more questions filled my head in that conversation. And it started off with an intense curiosity for something that I didn't understand, which was a, was a snow avalanche, which avalanched into something that I, I still take with me, a conversation that expanded past editing. And I, I think you have to go into whatever communication or whatever interaction with teachers and classmates with some type of curiosity that's intentional and it's honest. And that's, I think, the best way to get great answers.
real answers, tangible answers that you can take with you and apply um, to your art and to your lifestyle. And once you have that first conversation, it's a lot easier to have the second one or the third one. Exactly. All right, peoples. I think we've got some uh, great advice and wisdom and knowledge for any incoming um, students. Let's do this again after next semester and share what we learned. Maybe we'll just go each semester and share what we learned along the way. Cause there's still, we still have a whole lot to do and a whole lot to learn, but sometimes I find it helpful though. Like for me, and this is one other little piece of advice. Oftentimes I found some of the best notes or critiques to be from the essays, the student advice, the, the TAs for the class, because unlike, you know, someone like a Jim Ruxin, who's been editing films for 30 years, our guy, our essay was, is Daniel Sheehan. He was where I was two years ago. So his notes are a lot more, a lot better calibrated for where I am with my skill set. So that's just another piece of advice is that the essays are gold, get to know them as well and send them cuts or ask if you can send them cuts for feedback, because I found that to be incredibly helpful. Agree. Santos for us was awesome. I, I, I totally agree. I peoples have a great summer and, and see you in the fall. And if people listening want to keep up with you, if you want to plug social media where people can find you, please feel free to do that. Let's Kirsten, we can start with you. You can find me on Instagram, Kirsten underscore Vanderbilt. Fantastic. Red? Also on Instagram at Red Coltrane. That's red, like the color, but with two Ds. Coltrane, like John. And uh, you'll find me. Nice. That boy's boy smooth. <laughs> he got the coolest name ever, too. I'm going to change my name to Coltrane. My, my Instagram is A-Rob, A-R-O-B, films on Instagram. And... Uh, yeah, would love to talk to anybody about anything. Congratulations to the people listening, whether they're coming to USC or going to any other film school or just interested in making films. Congratulations. That's a big step and a big decision. So, yeah, congrats. yeah, for sure. And I hope people out there will follow us along on our journey. And the last thing I'll say is going back to storytelling and, and people who may be coming into the program or thinking about film school or pursuing filmmaking. The feeling of sitting in a darkened room or a darkened theater with an audience who are engaging and reacting to the film you put together, it's an incredible feeling. It makes you want to make more movies. All right, y'all. Thank you so much. That was my conversation with Kirsten, Red, and Ant after our first semester of film school at USC. Thanks for listening. And you can follow all of my work at benbo.substack.com. That's B-E-N-B-O .substack.com. And you can sign up for my free email newsletter and get notified when new podcast episodes drop. And if you take a minute and rate the podcast on your platform of choice, that helps other listeners just like you find the pod. Thanks so much. Have a great day.